You're listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast. Just a sample of the best pro wrestling podcasts we could produce on our tiny budget. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, at Podmania, YouTube and Instagram, at The Real Podmania. If it's wrestling you want, check out more of our great content at www.podmania.weebly.com. Let's do this. Hello, 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 and welcome to a brand new episode of the Podmania podcast, a retro pay-per-view review. Now, before we get into what we are reviewing, I am joined by Garth. How are you, my friend? Good, man. How are you? Not too bad at all. Not too bad at all, especially as we inch closer to what looks like a stellar takeover and a very, very stacked Mania card. So, exciting times if you are a wrestling fan. But today, we are not talking WWE. We are looking at TNA slash Impact slash GFW slash Anaheim or whatever they're called. Uh, We are looking at a TNA pay-per-view. Now, this is my first foray into TNA. I am a TNA noob, a TNA virgin. I've effectively popped my my TNA cherry Um, with this pay-per-view. We're looking at Destination X 2012. Now, this was your choice, wasn't it, Um, Garth? Just give us a quick summary as to why you chose this. Um, well, with it being your first, I thought I would get, pick one with a bit of a wide breadth of what they were doing at the time in TNA with the yeah. X Division, um, the when they were still doing the Ultimate X match, and you've got people like Rude, Aries, Joe, who all obviously went on to go to WWE as well, so it was a bit of familiarity. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just to sort of to show you what they were doing before they got there and probably why people still love them so much. I mean, you look at... We'll go into the review in a moment, but you look at Samoa Joe, Kurt Angle, AJ Styles, Austin Aries, Bobby Roode. It's no wonder that the WWE hold all of those men in such a high regard. Samoa Joe was built throughout this match as such a dominant force. It was, you know... I will talk now. The two, the commentary team of Mike Tenay and um, Jeremy Borash, yeah. I believe they were the commentary team. Yeah. I don't rate them too highly, if I'm perfectly <laughs> honest, Garth. Partly because throughout all nine matches on the card, I think they called two spots. <laughs> Genuinely, Kenny King hit his finisher, <clears throat> and all they said was slam to the mat. Yeah, they didn't. Sit, they didn't really call out any. They didn't. Any, now any, I understand that yeah. Jeremy Borash was brought in as a replacement for Taz, who wasn't there. Yeah. That wasn't Last really minute, elaborated yeah. on. Um, but it did sort of take me out of a few of the matches because yeah, obviously yeah. they were just making names up for it on the mm-hmm. fly. Really, I mean, AJ Styles hit this unbelievable phenomenal forearm off the top rope on to Christopher Daniels, who was holding the chair, <laughs> and all they said was, oh, I think his arm went through the chair, which <laughs> it's it's massively underselling the move, hugely. The problem at that point was, um, like, Styles didn't... He didn't really... Ha- that wasn't really the name of the move either. It was just basically he would do it in matches. He didn't always do it in the match as well. But even so, it's a springboard forearm. You you oh, call yeah. it that. Um, in fact, I don't think really many moves were called up until the Austin Aries and Bobby Roode match. Yeah. Um, and, you know... They didn't, they didn't give the name of a lot of the finishers. They didn't. They didn't, which, as a person who 
doesn't watch TNA really. Yeah. You know, I mean, Kenny King's finisher looked amazing. I've got no idea what that's called. Sanjay <laughs> Dutt's finisher looked absolutely savage. No idea what that's called. It's could be called a moonsault double spot. A moonsault double spot. Stomp. So yeah, even. I've written them down because I know what they were. <laughs> ah, <laughs> nice. Okay. Well, to be honest, this is going to be a lot on you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but let's get into it. So the entire premise of this X Division pay-per-view was that um, we were going to have an Ultimate X match for the vacant TNA X Division Championship, which Austin Aries had vacated in order to challenge Bobby Roode in the main event for the World Heavyweight Championship. Yeah, which now, is really good. I thought that was a really good story angle. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I will say that opening video package got me hyped, and I oh, knew yeah, yeah. nothing about the story. Mm-hmm. It really, really did. Um, also, shout out to the new uh, Global Wrestling Network app. Worked really oh, yeah. well. Really, yeah, really yeah. good. It's not as easy to navigate as the WWE Network app, um, and they've still got a couple of weird decisions. Um, <laughs> but, you know, overall, really, really good app. Um, but yeah, the opening video package really, really got me hyped for this match. Austin Aries was built as basically the biggest thing in the world, and, yeah. you know, jumping the head a little bit, when he did come out, the crowd loved him. Absolutely yeah. loved him. He was like him. the sort of ultimate underdog. Yeah, he was. He was. And I've said, I said to you while we were off the air, um, you know, it was almost a textbook, big guy, little guy match, yeah. but it didn't feel that way. I don't know why. It just it didn't seem the boring, formulaic, I'm a heavyweight, mm-hmm. you're a cruiserweight or a junior heavyweight or whatever you want to call them, you know. I think what helps just do this. I think helping in the video packages, um, it shows you, um, like Aries picking up the likes of um, Samoa Joan, giving them the the um, brain buster. Yeah, that it did help because Aries could be a heavyweight, and to be honest, I think he is one of the biggest missed opportunities in recent WWE history because oh, yeah. the amount of momentum he had when he came to NXT, and I know he had that injury after he got kneed in the face by Shinsuke, <laughs> but, and I say injury, he had his face mangled, yeah. um, but he came <laughs> back, and his his feud with Neville was brilliant, but even so, I just felt like he could have offered so much more. Well, that, this that, that this indicated Mania, The match at Mania they had was like one of the best on the card for and me. it was on the pre-show. Yeah. And it was 20, was 30 times better than some of the matches on the main yeah. card. Um. But yeah, so Austin Aries vacated the X Division Championship and um, basically Hulk Hogan, who was the GM at the time, which is weird (laughs) in itself, um, has basically gave Austin Aries an ultimatum. If you want to challenge Bobby Roode for the TNA World Heavyweight Championship, you have got to vacate the X Division Championship. Austin Aries said, I've worked my arse off for this championship. Why should I give it up? Hulk Hogan said, basically, that's what you're doing. If you want yeah. a challenge, you're giving it up. So Austin Aries came up with the option C world title match, which was that he sort of, for lack of a better term, cashed in yeah. his X Division Championship belt to get a championship opportunity against Bobby Roode. And this entire championship sort of tournament uh, for the main part of the card was to crown this new X Division champion. Which um, I think is like a really, really interesting idea. It is, I think, absolutely. I think it would be good if um, 
say if WWE did something similar with, say, the Intercontinental. Yeah, so absolutely. Say if the hold of the 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 lower the lesser belt wants to make a challenge, they can cash it in. Yeah, absolutely. I, to be honest, I said, you know, before this was one of the few things that I was aware of in TNA, and it was something that I thought they did very well. They definitely, you know, you look at the X division and it has elevated a lot of talent, you know, Christopher Daniels, AJ Styles, Samoa Joe even. So it's certainly elevated people like that. The only issue that I had with this was that the first five matches (laughs) were all tournament matches and only one of them went over 10 minutes. And plus when I was watching it, I was obviously thinking back to when I was watching at the time and none of not a lot of the people were actually full-time members of the roster, so you sort of knew that they weren't going to win. Um, a lot of them were just brought in for the odd match here and there. So yeah. it sort of took it away from that as well, yeah. Um, it's... I mean, I, I spoke to you earlier and said it was sort of reminded me about Mania 4, where they just had that <laughs> tournament and it was just a massive head fuck. It obviously wasn't <laughs> as bad as this. Uh, sorry, this wasn't as bad as that, I should say. But it was just, it was a lot to digest in the first, I don't even think that lasted an hour. No. So it was a lot to digest in a short amount of time. But we started with a four-way match. Now, this was because apparently Dixie Carter was so impressed (laughs) with um, all the qualifying matches that these four men had lost um, that they were given basically a last chance match. So if they won this, they would go into the tournament. Um, and this was fought between Dakota Darso, Lars Only, Rubix, who is perhaps more well-known as Jigsaw, and Mason Andrews. Um, Rubix was massively over. Yeah. Massively, massively over. Um, Lars the Only <laughs> was... I, I Honestly, he did a couple of cool Hurricane Ranas and a head yeah. scissor, which was quite nice. Can't remember a single thing Dakota Darso did. Not one no. thing. Um, no. At one point, they all did plunges over the top rope, you know, kind of showing just how athletic they all are. I think everybody did in every match. I think there was <laughs> at least one plunger in every single match <laughs> leading up to the Bamford Glory Series match, which we'll go into later. Yeah. But, it was a really good... Um, I mean, there was a couple of good spots in this match. It wasn't... It was nothing special. Um, no, it, it was wasn't. a really good coast-to-coast by Rubik's. Yes, I agree. To be honest, Rubik's for me was the MVP of the match, and yeah. I was absolutely convinced that he would go through. So was that. So I, I'd watched it and I forgot <laughs> who won it, and I thought, oh, but it was obviously not. <laughs> no, it was it was very, it was very very out of the blue this victory. But mm-hmm. I will say that the winner of this match would then go on into the next round, which instantly followed this, <laughs> and it would be between the winner of this match and Kid Cash. Now, Kid, Kid Cash. Cash what a horrible motherfucker he is. Yes, he looks like the nastiest bastard I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. He looks, if you have never seen him, imagine a hobbit-sized version of Daniel Craig. Yeah. And that is what he looks <laughs> like. Um, it's like he's like um, Pete Dunne's dad. Yes, he is. They said, <laughs> oh, he's part of the MMA. You know, he's got MMA training. It's like, no, he's just a vicious bastard. Yeah, he's just... That's not MMA. He's <laughs> just being horrible. Also, as a shout-out, did you notice... Um... The referee was Earl Hebner's son. I did. Earl Hebner refereed later on as well. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So it was an Earl Hebner affair. 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, basically Mason Andrews got the win. Um, so he sort of celebrated, and as he celebrated, Kid Cash, who had been watching the match the correct way, not at a 45-degree angle, <laughs> um, as the WWE are wont to do at the moment, <coughs> which is really irritating, um, he he then came down and pretty much <laughs> dominated Mason yeah. Andrews for six, seven minutes of their match. He's doing that thing where he sort of beat him down and was sort of had him held down with his foot trying to pin him. Really yeah, nonchalantly. it was very, very arrogant. And the thing I did like about this, the match before the Mason Andrews, Darso only in Rubik's sort of four-way, that was bang, 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 bang. Yeah. And it was eight minutes, because the match went eight minutes, 22 seconds, and that's a cruiserweight fatal four-way match. So there's a lot to fit into that, and it felt very full-on straight away, which is obviously yeah. what he wants in a pay-per-view. And then this, Kid Cash is obviously a huge heel. He slowed the pace down completely. Totally. There was a lot I of mean, rolling a, on the outside. I mean, there was a lot of using the um, the barricade. He's a really good wrestler. Like He's so believable. Yes, absolutely. Um, I don't think I would like to work with him very often because he's so, so stiff. It's unreal. It looked I mean, very those stiff. slaps he was given on the chest later on the night, you could see that Mason Andrews' chest was just... You could, yeah, especially at the bottom Red of his rib cage. Yeah, he held nothing back, Kid Cash, <laughs> and basically, just when he wasn't battering the living hell out of Mason Andrews, would just turn to the crowd and yell at them, give them the middle finger, give them the middle finger. <laughs> which he did the wonderful. There's a uh, a gif of Cody Rhodes doing that, where he just kind of sort of rolls the middle finger up of his finger, yeah, and uh, Kid Cash did that. So Kid Cash was clearly the originator of that. He did this horrible. Um... Where he like sort of slapped him and then kicked him out the ring, and it was just so nasty. Yes, it Believable. was. It was good. It was. It's just sort of absolutely no respect whatsoever for this guy. I will say, just going back to that opening match, um, there was a nasty looking botch. Lars only sort of went for a cross body into. Oh, yeah. I think it was Mason Andrews. And from what I can gather, they were supposed to go over the top rope together. Mm. And I don't know whether Lars Owen just didn't get enough height on it or if Mason Andrews just didn't, you know, take it right. But he sort yeah. of just slammed into the middle rope. Yeah. It looked really oh, painful. Yeah. Um, and, mm. you know, as I said, I don't rate Lars only at all, but it looked really, really bad. It looked real botch. <laughs> um, but... As you know, any you know vicious dickhead versus underdog match goes. Kid Cash got a bit too complacent and was rolled up for the three count. Mason <laughs> Andrews somehow, despite fighting two matches on the bounce, um, made his way into the Ultimate X match later on the night. Notice the crowd shouting, um, "You got beat!" Yes, to, um, <laughs> Kid Cash. <laughs> I wish they'd made more of that. I will say now that, and we did again. We spoke about this. Um, off air, the crowd were one of the smarkiest crowds I've ever witnessed. Oh yeah, um, and it seems to be the the sort of left hand corner of the ramp. Yeah, it's just them, and yeah, it's it it's beyond the point of being part of the match. It's just look how funny I am. Yeah. Look at the things I can, and you're just like. Look Mate, you're 43. You're 43 calling someone Lucky Charms. You're not <laughs> funny. Just shush up. Seriously. Um, 
but yeah, so Mason Andrews, first entrant into the Ultimate X Tournament Final. Um, this brought Doug Williams of World of Sport fame to the ring. Um, so how do you make... This was also the first person with a video, um, an entrance <laughs> video. Oh, yeah, because you all had that. Just like a generic song, didn't they? Yes, tune they all and... had a generic tune, a bit like the Young Lions in uh, New Japan. Um, and Garth. You have a British wrestler, yep. and you think, hmm, how do I get across through their entrance video that Doug Williams is British? What encapsulates Britain? Is it, you know, Big Ben? Is it <laughs> the monarchy? No, no, no. It's the London Underground. Yep. His entrance video was <laughs> a map of the London Underground. And I'm. I shit you not, go and look at it. And then his name came up in the underground sign. Yeah. What <laughs> in all living bollocks was that? Because he was, I can't remember if at the time he was or if he just split up, but he was teamed up with um, Magnus. Yes. I think um, I think they were still together. I think it was mentioned. Yeah. Um, so they were sort of playing that whole British sort of legion thing. But even um, so. Even so, you I mean, do British, fine, but good God. I, I mean, I do like Doug Williams. Um, he was always... I mean, this is towards the end, when he was just... I think he was just about to leave. Yeah. Um, but, like, I, I've always, I always like this little thing that he does where he sort of plays with his pretend cuff <laughs> and sort of shakes his head, and then he sort of... I don't know, just, like... Gentlemanly. <laughs> See that I like, but then again, I suppose the gentleman Jack Gallagher thing didn't. Well, it's yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of, sort of it? same thing, isn't it? But sort of the Jack Gallagher thing's blown up to obviously a million. Um, but, but, he, Doug, Doug, Doug Williams is always like solid work, and when I've seen him, absolutely, and he was solid in this match. Um, Kenny King came out next, and his theme song sounds a bit like No Way Jose. <laughs> you got the proper Ibiza rave music. Yeah. Uh, he like came out. Sort of, he's the sort of um, he's like a Las Vegas playboy sort of thing. Yeah, and again, really, really over with the crowd. Really over with the crowd. Um, and to be honest, he, he the... just he just come from Ring of Honor at the time. I was just going to say because was... he's the current Ring of Honor television champion, so he left and then went back. Yeah, because we're seeing he's like the next big thing. They really were bigging him up at this time. Um, I think he left because he got injured, and then like he was just his fitness was shocking, like yeah. really bad. Um, he was blown up halfway through matches, and I mean in this he was, he was pretty bad in this, really sort of lethargic. There were bits, and again there was just there was bits that seemed very very slow, and almost almost lazy. Yeah. And it was almost he... like Kenny King at this point was going through the motions. Now, I know from watching him in Ring of Honor that he is an absolutely fantastic wrestler. Yeah. Possibly could do with some improvement on the mic, but, you know, even so. There just there didn't seem to be any, for lack of urgency. a better word, pizzazz in this match. Yeah. No, exactly. Ur- urgency is a more professional word. Pizzazz isn't even a word. I mean, it was a good, but... it was a, I mean the opener was good. It was good, like, back and forth. Yeah, um... it started well, but... I can't remember exactly what botch I'm thinking of, but it was something on the mat, and I think it was an elbow drop, and he just missed it entirely. Yeah, I think Mike Tanay mentions that as well. I'm sure he, 
he sort of says, oh, he didn't sort of, he didn't get didn't, didn't get, get all full of purchase. <laughs> no, exactly. And I don't know. I think because you know that Kenny King is pro- capable of producing so much more, yeah. you are a little bit disappointed in what you get in this match. I mean, it is only a 10-minute match, so there is only a limited amount of stuff you can do. Um, but There's a couple of good spots. Like, um, there was like a twist and slingshot, which was pretty good from uh, Kenny King. Yeah, um, but that's what he's and, capable of. Yeah, and um, we did the... Like a springboard neckbreaker sort of thing. The springboard neckbreaker was good. Of course, you had your plancha yeah. spot as well. Don't forget that. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Outside down. Um, but no, I mean the finish was good. And his finish is really good. His finisher is really good, but again, that was completely undersold by the commentary team. Now, it's I know the Royal that his is it still the Royal Flush? Yeah. Right. Okay, I knew that from Ring of Honor. I didn't know if it was still called the Royal Flush. Um, but yeah, um, Kenny King gets Doug Williams up, hits him with the Royal Flush, and he progresses to the next round as well. Um, in the Ultimate X match, mm-hmm. I don't think we really saw Kenny King that much. No, I honestly believe that he was. I think he was exhausted because you watch him um, at one point during the match and. He, Goes, he goes up on the, the top rope and it seems to take him absolute age to get up there. Yeah, it does. Like and... He's really struggling. I think and then he just gets pushed off. <laughs> no, he does. He gets pushed off into the barricade, doesn't he? Yeah. And he and hits he it. Just... Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Um, anyway, that brought us to match four. And before before if... going to that match, Go on, yeah. I've got to mention um, the Chris Daniels promo. Yes. Before the martini. He's got his, he's oh. got his <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. <laughs> I've never really watched a lot of Christopher Daniels stuff. I watched his feud with Cody and Ring of Honor. But this this promo was fantastic. He's brilliant. He's so good. Like he's so funny. Like but you, like he's trying to be deadly serious, but it's so stupid. And the bit where he does the promo then he says, Now I give everybody the, the permission to drink to that. To yeah. Drink, to, yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. Um, it really could, is. Because this was just, I think it was just after or maybe around the time where he was teaming up with Kaz. Yeah. And they were doing the um, all the retro stuff. So one week they would come out as the Headbangers, the next week they came out as Legion of Doom. <laughs> um, th- like every week they were a different tag team. Or one week they came out um, like for a Sting Appreciation Night <laughs> that they'd set, set up. And they were just really, really sort of just making it their own thing. He has got charisma. You know, oh, yeah. just oozing, hasn't he? He I really mean, has. At this point, I think he was sort of... He's probably in like his mid-40s. Or maybe his early 40s at this point. Shall we have a look? I think we should, because to be fair, if he's in his mid-40s during this match, then fair play to the lad. Christopher Daniels at the... Well, he's only 47 now. All right. So what are we so... Early 40s. He's still early 40s, though. Yeah. Jesus. I mean... Well, we'll get into that match in a moment, but let's just say I can't imagine he didn't ache in the morning. Mm. Um, so match four was Sanjay Dutt against a person I'm not really familiar with, uh, Rashid no. Cameron. I think this is the only match he ever had. Yes. Or maybe he had a few um, beforehand sort of qualifiers. Yes. He also was in charge of the worst merch I've ever seen in my life. Oh yeah. He'd got a blue shirt on and then what looked like an iron on decal. Yeah. But 
the iron-on decal was a different shade of blue to the t-shirt he was wearing, and it it looked very messy. Um, but he was uh, he was terrible. Yes, he wasn't great. Um, Sanjay Dutt made him look better than he was. Yeah. Um, and basically, this was, with the exception of the next match, this was the worst match. Yeah. Um, again. There was literally one real spot, except for the plancher over the top rope that Rasha <laughs> did, which, which in fairness, looked really good. Yeah. You know, that was probably the only thing he did in the match, but it looked very clean, very crisp. Um, but I mean, he was so sloppy. He was. Rashid, um, Rashid Cameron was so botchy. <laughs> well, I've looked at him now, and he is a part of CZW. So right. maybe he's just part of you know that hardcore thing, and he wasn't really yeah. into doing the flips and stuff, um, which is a shame because I think together with Sanjay Dutt he had the potential to really give us a great match, but mm-hmm. it just it seemed again laboured. Yeah, which Sanjay was a shame. another one. He's another one of the ones that he's so much better than he seems to have sort of got to, if you know what I mean. He's he does. He seems very, very underrated. And I know that recently um, he became... Was he the X-Division champion quite recently when they went to India? Because he made a comeback, yeah. And just there was no response at all. And it's a shame because here he was cheered. You know, he was a babyface here. People were behind him. Oh, yeah. And he'd been been there for quite a while. Yeah, and his finisher is awesome. (laughs) <laughs> it looked incredibly yeah. painful. Um, this moonsault, you know, double foot stomp, which, yeah. again, he landed straight in the stomach of Rashid Cameron, who sold it as though he'd been shot, Yeah, which was brilliant, <laughs> Yeah, uh, which was literally the only good thing he did, apart from that plancher. <laughs> but, you know, again, if you've got something that good, you've got something that unique, because I, I, I don't know anyone else that does that, Oh, no. Um, if you're commentary, you lose your mind. You don't just say, "I don't like it." Yeah. Oh, that's end of match, is it? Okay, fair it's, enough. Next I one. I mean, I think watching that, I think they didn't even sort of catch it until the replay. No, exactly. They just went, "Oh, it's over." Well, oh, come <laughs> on, mate. You can do better than this. Oh, anyway. I so wonder, I wonder if they'd been told, like, sort of, don't big these matches up. Wait until the sort of main events, because when the main events came, they're totally. Switched it on, and at the you know with the climax of the main event, I thought Mike Tanay was going to give himself a hernia. Yeah, you know he was he was stuck between that horrible thing of trying to lose his mind but not wanting to blow people's eardrums through the yeah. microphone. And that's like the pop of Mike Tanay that like what everybody knows about, like yeah, the professor. <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> basically. Um, now before we get into the final. X Division Championship Tournament semi-final. We have quite a heartbreaking story, really. Um, Jesse Sorensen, who was um, an X Division wrestler um, at you know a previous time, he was yeah. at Against All Odds pay per view, which I believe was in the February. This was in the uh, no, this is in the July. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, and basically, um, Zima Ion came off the top rope, hitting a moonsault, and caught Jesse Sorensen 
wrong. There was no malice in it or yeah. anything. Straight and, on the top of the head. Yeah, hit him straight on top of the head and broke Sorensen's neck. Um, we then had this really, really well put together sort of success story of, you know, I thought I was going to be paralysed and never walk again. Yeah. And, you know, he was going through sort of rehab on this neck and he came to the ring and he got a massive, massive pop, which was ace. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, he said, thank you so much for, you know, helping me through this time. You know, they didn't try and make it something it wasn't. It was just mm. a heartfelt thank you to everyone. And I yeah. am coming back and I am going to be an X Division champion. Um, One thing I will say is some of that rehab looked genuinely horrible. Oh, yeah. Where they were twisting his neck around. Oh, yeah. Like, and no. he was like grimacing. Yeah, and you could see him in agony, and you're like, that poor bloke. Stop <laughs> twisting his neck, it's broken. <laughs> um, but obviously, Zima Ion came down to the ring next, um, who can only be described as a Filipino Zoolander. <laughs> um, he, it, which, you know, Google him, it's exactly what he looks like. Um, and he came down to the ring and sort of, you know, sarcastically asked Sorensen how his neck was, which I did quite like, to be fair. Yeah, that was good. Um, you know, it was real. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I did break your neck. Oh, is your neck all right, mate? So he came down to the ring to uh, for his match with Flip Casanova. Now, the worst talk, wrestling name I've ever heard. Yes, it's a terrible, terrible, terrible name. Matched only with Flip Casanova's terrible, terrible shorts. Oh Jesus! Those shorts are awful, and he should be banned from ever wrestling again for thinking they, that they look, are okay. They made him look even smaller than he already he, looked. Even looked as like... an X division competitor, he looked incredibly small. Yeah, incredibly skinny, incredibly frail. <laughs> when Zima Ion looks bigger than you, yeah, you know, you know that mm, you're not you're not built for wrestling. <laughs> um, but. Let's just let's just talk about Zima Ion for a second, um, because basically he's sort of a Tyler Breeze character. Yeah, well, he started out as um, like a DJ. He was a DJ for um, Robbie E. Right. I don't know if you know who he is, but he was like a sort of um, Jersey Shore idiot. Oh Jesus Christ! And uh, he was DJ Z, and then he was Zima Ion, and then he sort of broke away from them. Oh, God. Right, okay. That doesn't make um, me like him anymore. I'll be but, perfectly um, honest, Carl. I've always liked him. I don't know. He's just got that horrible, cocky... He has. That I'm not too bothered about. The hairspray. Now, yeah. <laughs> I mean... Which isn't hairspray at all. Which isn't hairspray. Like, it's just like water. compressed water in a can. But there's one bit where Undertaker has an iconic <laughs> drag the thumb across the neck. Okay, very imposing. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, don't you? I do. <laughs> very imposing when The Undertaker does it. You know, he's seven foot tall. You know, he's undead. He can roll his eyes into the back of his head. When Zima Ion is doing it with a hairspray can and spraying the hairspray, that is not imposing. That just makes me want to punch you. That's that's not okay. That's not a thing to do. That mean his gimmick working? Well, potentially, yes. <laughs> Which infuriates me even more. Um, but yeah, basically, he comes down match. to the ring. This is a obscenely short match. Yeah. You know, it's less than four minutes. Um, <laughs> I like. I quite like that. Yeah, Zima basically just steamrolled over Flick Casanova. Yeah. Um, 
Another outside dive as well. Another outside dive. You've got to have an outside dive in these matches. Um, there was a really good spot where um, I think Zima Iron was like lying on the floor and that flip Casanova went to do like a, I don't know, like a cent on or something and he just sort of kicked him away. <laughs> right. And it just looked like, it's just like, it's like, it's like a blow. Yeah. Like fighting against a little kid. I mean, I, I don't, Yeah. I just, I wasn't into this match, and I don't know why. A, I think it was because was a, of the hairspray. It was a pretty brutal, um, like a like a springboard curb stomp. Yeah, and to be honest, his moves were quite impactful. Like his finisher, which oh, horrible, isn't it? Again, I think is the Filipino destroyer. I think. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, that looked brilliant, but I don't know whether the crowd were into it yeah. or whether again the commentary team just didn't sell it. It didn't feel like it should have been the end of the match. Yeah. It sort of came out of nowhere. He hits the Filipino destroyer. Mike Tanay says something generic like, oh, he's hit his head on the mat. And, <laughs> you know, three count and that was it. And I feel like if you're building Zima Ion, which obviously they were at the time, you need something more than that. You know, you you either need to steamroll a flip Casanova in 30 seconds or, you know have it be more impactful. Also, yeah. something that's just dawned on me, to get into this match, Flip Casanova has beaten someone. Who the hell did he beat? <laughs> I mean, honestly, he was dog shit. Shit. <laughs> anyway, anyway, moving on from the X Division Championship just for a moment, we come on to a Bound for Glory series match. Now, I was texting you while I was um, watching this, yeah. and I've said how much I enjoyed the Bound for Glory series as a concept. Yeah. I really like that. Basically, 10 men are put into what can only be described as a Premier League, and they then fight each other with different points for different outcomes. Now, if you win, I think it's seven points. If you win by submission, it's ten points. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, there's different integers for different um, things. So, for example, I know that if you uh, lose by DQ, um, it's minus five points. Mm-hmm. So, as a concept, and this goes on uh, for, you know, a, a series of months, and then, obviously, the tournament sort of culminates at the Bound for Glory oh, pay-per-view. Yeah. As a concept, I love that. What a way to make singles matches mean something. You know, your generic sort of, oh, quit, let's throw some people together. You know, you've got 10 people there that can make up a good sort of portion of television, especially in that lull that we all know happens after Mania, (laughs) okay, or between um... SummerSlam and Survivor Series. Yeah, and I think the Bound for Glory is before. Is it before or after Mania? Is that the October Tem- pay per view? Template to say it is. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so I will just like... have a look now. Um, yeah, I mean, the good thing about those matches is, well, it's um, they're all fifteen minute time limit. Yeah, so exactly. So if it ends in a draw, it's a draw, and uh, it does happen. I mean, they have had matches where it ends in a draw. It is October. Um, yeah. yeah, it is, and. Like I said, if we had something like that in the WWE, you know, it's almost like the G1 Climax, but obviously even in, not like, quite. Even in like 205 Live or something? Just exactly. Exactly. Live no. Just I'd, I'd put that on SmackDown because mm. then you get talent like Ty Dillinger, Zack Ryder, who can't get on TV. They don't have to win any matches, but they can be on TV. What a way yeah. to reignite Baron Corbin. Mm-hmm. 
you know, who's been just there. You know, what, what I mean, I was all for this series. And of course, I was even more for this series when I realised it brought together Samoa Joe and Kurt Angle, um, <laughs> which is one of the most storied rivalries in TNA. Um, yeah. And again, what a match. They interviewed um, Samoa Joe backstage before <laughs> this match. And just his intensity in his yeah. promo. You know, you it's, be- like Jake, it's like Jake Roberts. Yes, it's exactly like that. His low, you know, he doesn't raise his voice. He barely changes his intonation and his sentences. But you yeah. know that everything he says, he means. And you can legitimately feel that he is going to hurt you. I mean, mm-hmm. he did possibly my favourite promo of 2017. Um, when he was in a feud with Brock Lesnar before Great Balls of Fire, when he did that promo on Paul Heyman. Yeah. And it was, it was just, just, oh, it was beautiful. It slow really and deliberate. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And that was what he did here. And TNA, for all their faults, did a fantastic job with Samoa Joe. Mm-hmm. You know, throughout his tendency there. And in this match, it showed just how good a job they'd done with him because he was built as this legitimate monster mm-hmm. and it is it's very rare that Kurt Angle goes into any match at all as an underdog. But this match I felt like he was the underdog yeah. against Samoa Joe. Also, Samoa Joe should definitely bring back the Mohawk. <laughs> definitely looks, think he should bring that back. Looks just makes him look even more evil. <laughs> it does. It really does. Um I mean, I don't rate Kurt Angle's entrance theme much. I don't know whether it's just because it's not as iconic as his WWE one, but it just it didn't seem. You think Kurt Angle? You think patriotic? Yeah. And there just there wasn't any of that really. I Um, think because at the time, I think they were just trying to steer clear of any of that sort of WWE thing. Yeah, Um, which you have mentioned. You know, it's sort of epitomising that they were trying to be different. mm -hmm. I like um, how he comes in up through the stage, and then I like all that. I like his actual entrance. Yeah, his entrance itself is really good. It's just I didn't think that the music fit with him at all. Yeah, which you know I didn't think for anyone else really. Um, I thought <laughs> Austin Aries was good. I thought Bobby Roode was good. It wasn't as good as Glorious, obviously. Yeah, I like uh, AJ Styles better. The TNA version. Than yes, I do. The, I do. The other one. I'm not a massive fan of AJ Styles' theme anyway, but no. um, this match was fantastic. This match was really, really good. Yeah. Um, it's not the best match they've had together. No, I've got, I mean, I've got that in my notes. I said it's not the best match they've had, but it was still like a really good match. And exactly. The well you put Samoa Joe and Kurt Angle in a ring together, they're not going to produce a shite match. Yeah. You know, even on their worst days. And the story of this match was that neither of them were top of the leaderboard. Basically, um, James Storm had got... Did he win a gauntlet match? Or something. So all those points totaled up, and he ended up with such a massive lead yeah, over the rest like, of the competition. I think it was like, um, was he sort of ten points ahead or eight points ahead or something? By the time this uh, match took place, I think he was on thirty-six, and mm-hmm. Samoa Joe was in second with twenty-seven. Yeah. So he and Kurt Angle, who was in fourth at the time, behind Jeff Hardy, um, desperate for like the sort of submission win, weren't they? Exactly. So both of them, and obviously they're both of them can be classed as submission experts. Both of them were consistently trying to lock in the submissions. And in fact, that first bit, especially after they'd finished with the chops and everything like that, was 
the reversal of each other's yeah. um, submissions. I mean, Kurt had Samoa Joe locked in the ankle lock for what seemed like ages. <laughs> um, Samoa Joe, at several points, had the Coquina clutch like properly cinched in, yeah. you know, with his legs round Kurt and everything. But it had everything, you know. We had the muscle buster, which, oh my God, you know, <laughs> especially from the angle that the TNA cameras had, it was on top of the ring. Yeah. So. And had the muscle buster into the ankle lock as well? Like, yes. Sort of reversed it. That was really good. They had moments of magic, definitely. Um, I mean, he kicked out of it, which is unbelievable, but never mind. Um, and then Kirk you obviously the, had um, two angle slams. Kirk got the three. The three um, amigos, not the three amigos, the three backdrops. He did, and what I did like was the fact that he was selling how difficult it was yeah. to get Samoa Joe over him. It really was. Yeah. Um, I just, I really did like this match. I think it was because it was something completely different to the Zima Ion Flip Casanova match, which we'd had yeah. before. Um, I love that um, that move that Joe does, where someone runs at him in the corner, and he just sort of sambo. Flexes them. Yes, it's sort of a it's sort of a near um a urinagi, isn't it? Yeah, uh-huh. he just um, slams them. The which is ace. It really is, and it does show his power. We had a dive. We had a suicide dive through the second rope from Samoa Joe. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, which you know, if you see Samoa Joe running at you, you bloody move. You don't stand there to take Samoa Joe. Move out of the right. way. Which is uh, which is a tactic used by Bobby Roode in the main event. Um. <laughs> But overall, a really, really good match. Eventually, Samoa Joe does lock Kurt in the Kikina clutch and passes out. I do like the fact that he passed out and they didn't give him a submission. And he, I love how um, Angle's like super pissed as well. At the end, yeah. Yeah. He's like, I didn't tap, I didn't tap. But... And Earl Hebert keeps going, you're out, you're out. <laughs> as they're walking up the, uh, up the ramp afterwards, Samoa Joe has left and he turns to the camera and holds the ten fingers up. But then Kurt, you you go back to Kurt who's at the bottom of the ramp, and in the most petulant way he oh, possibly yeah. can, he goes, "Well, I didn't even tap, so yeah." Which is just brilliant. I didn't tap you. I didn't tap you. I didn't even tap. Yeah. Which it's just it's just the most petulant thing that you could ever imagine Kurt Angle saying. Um, but yes, that was that match. Samoja went into the lead, um, in the Bound for Glory series match, uh, sorry, series, and didn't win it in the end. It was won by James Storm. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, good match, something different, and a stipulation that I really do approve of. So, yeah. well done, TNA. <laughs> Moving on we to... Had, um, yeah, now we've got a horrible... Yeah, we've got, well... Horrible storyline. <laughs> we've got something good... That comes from utter dog shit. Now, absolutely terrible. Basically, Dixie Carter <laughs> didn't think that she had enough of the limelight. This is from an outsider now. What even I know about this utter crap storyline. Yeah. Basically, um, it was alluded to that Dixie Carter was having an affair with AJ Styles. You know, Christian <laughs> married AJ Styles. Um, <laughs> so basically, it was alluded to that they were. You know, having an affair, um, and then Christopher Daniels got wind of this and sort of tried to bring it to everyone's attention and sort of uncover the cheating that was taking place. So um, then, of course, it sort of documents the unraveling of AJ Styles. It even brings bloody um, 
Dixie Carter's husband into it as well. Yes, like, they do. Jesus. He laid out AJ Styles with a punch. <laughs> Why? But okay. All right. Whatever. Um, so, as though that wasn't convoluted enough, we then had a random person brought in. I believe her name is Claire Lynch. Claire Lynch, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the most ridiculous storylines in history. But basically, what is happening is AJ Styles and Dixie Carter are trying to get her into rehab because she's a drug addict, <laughs> which immediately makes everyone go, oh, that's a bit close to the yeah. bone, but, oh, oh, I mean, okay. And then, because that's not convoluted enough, we find out afterwards that she's pregnant. <laughs> and who's the father? <laughs> of course it's AJ. Of course it's AJ. Christian married <laughs> AJ Styles. I just... Which, which I it mean, turns out it wasn't after all. Which Exactly, it was fake. Which, what the hell? Um, but basically, AJ Styles, that's enough to bring out his rage... And him and Christopher Daniels end up in this last man standing match here. And hopefully that will be the last time we ever have to mention that storyline on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. um, because it truly was. And I think this is possibly our tagline. The absolute drizzling shits. Yeah, I think it's, it's definitely in the top five worst storylines of all time in wrestling ever. I think it's probably just about beaten by Katie Vick. Right. Probably <laughs> just. Um. Anyway, so this match, once this match had finished, I feared for the main event <laughs> because I could not see a way that this match could be outshone by the main event. And yeah. that's what you want from your main event. Um, but what a match. Brilliant. What a match. And, you know, you talk about AJ Styles you know, proficiency as a wrestler, he is, without a shadow of a doubt, one of the best wrestlers in the world. But here, for lack of a better phrase, he got down and dirty with Christopher Daniels. Oh, yeah. It's hard-hitting. <laughs> it was, and it started off hard-hitting. It started off as a brawl. It started off with uh, um, Christopher Daniels, where he wears that glove. Oh, God, yeah. With, with, the, middle, with the middle finger missing. <laughs> Which he shows to the crowd at one point when the crowd tried to get at him, which, again, shut up, you muppet. Um, But the first big... He just gets out of the ring and starts running away. He does. (laughs) He starts running off, uh, which is brilliant. You know, heel 101, really, really good. AJ AJ keeps running. Yeah, keep on running, keep on running. (laughs) Um, The first big thing for me um, was Daniel's hitting Styles with that uh, Urinagi on the chair, across the chair, to the point where it broke the chair. He set the chair up in the middle of the ring, got AJ Styles, and slammed him back first across the chair. Um, That horrible, uh, that super suplex in the corner as well. Yeah. AJ took a lot, a lot of bumps here. Yeah. Um, From there, Daniels really took the ascendancy. You know, drilling him into the stairs, slamming his head into the stairs. Yeah. Styles was cut open early as well. Busted open, yeah. Um, I've got written down on my notes here. Um, like, so AJ's busting the stairs. The guy in that guy in the corner was an arsehole. <laughs> he just shouting and shouting and shouting. He is. He, he, he does his best to get one over on um, Christopher Daniels. 
And he just stands there and goes, shut up. Yeah, keeps going back, doesn't he? Yeah, shut just up. keeps going, keeps going. So he just goes, hey, mate, and sticks his finger up at him, which is just brilliant. Um, <laughs> then, of course, we had um, the Phenomenal Forearm. Whether it was called that at the time, we don't know. But as Daniels is going to hit him with a chair, Styles comes off the top turnbuckle and hits him with a forearm that goes through the chair <laughs> and hits Daniels. Now, for me... Yeah. That is an absolutely outstanding spot. Totally brilliant. But they didn't. Did the commentary team give a shit? No! <laughs> they didn't care. They didn't sell it. They didn't make it sound as good as it was. It, it's mind-boggling. It really, really is. Um, but he slammed, then he slammed him head first into the steps. <laughs> that sounded savage. It yeah. really did. Um, obviously, having just had his head drilled into the steps... Um, Daniel sort of backs away up the ramp. And, he tries to get away, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. And he's sort of holding his hand up going, no, no, just leave me alone. And the rest of the match takes place on the ramp. So every other spot, it's just that pain is kind of amplified by yeah. five, six. And have that um, double clothesline at the top of the ramp. And the stage. I don't know what Daniel's hits, but it sounds awful. Um Styles attempts that Styles clash, but Daniels uh, counts it with a back body drop. Does that um, flip reverse DDT off the? Oh my god! Off the stage. Yeah, that moonsault into an inverted DDT. Yeah. Oh, it was incredible. And again, it's perfect. It was. It was. There was. There was no stalling in it at all. There was no stalling no. in his motion. It was just a fantastic move. And again, Styles is amazing. So <laughs> we shouldn't expect any more. Hits him with a Pele kick as well. Um, Kazarian gets involved as, you know, you would assume he would, yeah. pushes AJ Styles. He doesn't push him that hard, but Styles <laughs> goes absolutely flying off the stage, like into the barricade, which is a yeah. good, like, six, seven metres he's been pushed. Um, he, he just dies off. Yeah, but I would like to point out now, and this is what made me laugh, um, after Styles had had his back drilled into that chair after Urinagi, he got up relatively quickly. Yeah. After being pushed, it took to nine for him to get up. Yeah. <laughs> that really irritated me. Because <laughs> it was like sort of, didn't um I think there was one point where AJ was down. I know Daniels was down, but AJ got him up. He says, no, we're not done yet. Yeah, he it, says to the referee, yeah, he says to the referee, don't you dare count, I'm not done with him yet, which was brilliant. I love that. That intensity yeah. was fantastic. Um, Anyway, he gets up on nine. He had then Styles has his head slammed into the guardrail. Um, a table's brought into play, and you know instantly who's going through that. Um, <laughs> Daniels goes for an angel's wings from off the ramp. Styles reverses it, slams him into Kazarian. Yeah. Um, then grabs Daniels and hits a Styles clash off the ramp through the table. Yeah, it's just. Oh, yeah. my balls went into my stomach when I saw that <laughs> because all of the impact is taken on Daniel's face <laughs> and just his face and his stomach and Styles sells it as though he's been shot in the stomach. None yeah. of the table hit Styles. He landed on top of Daniel's. Um, such a good, such it's a good such a good move. spot. It really, really is. And, you know, that obviously leads to the end because Daniel's can't get up after that. Um, Styles just about gets up using the guardrail to help him up. 
Well, it was a de- it was definitely a, a holy shit moment. It um, was. It was. And Mike Tenay, <laughs> Mike Tenay was selling it as if Kazarian had been killed. <laughs> oh my god! Is he? All- and it's the first time I heard any emotion in Tenay's voice. Yeah. At all. And at this point, we are two hours into the pay-per-view. I wonder if Mike Tenay just didn't really give a shit about the X Division guys. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe he just didn't give a shit at all. Maybe didn't it was like, know who it time go now? Come on. <laughs> um, how do you follow that, Garth? You follow it with the ultimate X match. Um, side note from that, uh, I just found out like yesterday, or was it the, the day before, that um, Christopher Daniels was the first ever Ring of Honor Grand Slam champ because he won the won the, the the last title he needed to last week. I did not know that. What did he win last no. week? It was on the oh the six man championships, won't it? Yeah, yeah, he won so it with Soul Cal uncensored. First ever fair play Grand to him. Slam champion. Fair yeah. play to him, absolutely. Um, all new respect for Christopher Daniels after this match. Like I say before, well, I don't really know a lot of his stuff. I'm not well versed in uh, in Christopher Daniels. He's another but... one of them ones that just sort of. Flew under the WWE radar. I think yeah. they have had him, or they have tried to have him. I think. I just don't think it's ever worked out. I think he likes to do his own thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, 1998. 1998. <laughs> but he was only there till 2001. I didn't realise he was there that long. He, he made appearances on WWF Jacked. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, God. <laughs> um, he. Oh, God. Right. Just side note. It says here... Um, where was I looking now? Uh, he made several appearances on WWF Jacked, for those of you who remember that, during the spring of 2001, <laughs> including a singles loss to Jerry Lynn and a tag team loss to Kai and Ty. Jeez. <laughs> Good God. I wonder if at this you. point Christopher Daniels went, if I'm losing to Kai and Ty, sod this. I'm out. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> um, so... Apparently, the X Division doesn't do ladders. Uh, what they do is weird cables that cross in an X above the ring, supported by pillars, and the belt <laughs> hangs from them. It's a very interesting concept. Um, one that I wasn't sure on before I sort of watched this. But after watching it, there is a lot of potential to it. Yeah. I still I mean, think this, I prefer ladder matches. This one isn't the best Ultimate X one. It, it be wasn't fair. the best. Um, there have been, I mean, the ones with the likes of Styles and stuff where he dives off the top of it to the middle of the bit, like the middle of the, um, where it crosses in the middle. He dives off the top of one of the trusses. Yeah. Into the, to get the belt at the, in the middle. <laughs> it's, I have seen spots, you know, GIFs, YouTube, yeah. things like that, of some fantastic matches. And I don't know whether I built it up a bit in my head, mm-hmm. but when you got the four men coming to the ring, and the four men were Zima Ion, Kenny King, Sanjay Dutt, and Mason Andrews, were you excited by any of those four men? Not really. I mean, the only one really. I mean, I've always liked Zima Ion, but I, like Sanjay Dutt, I always liked him, and he never really sort of managed to get anywhere. No. Which I thought was unfair because he was really, really good. He was, but this Ultimate X match for the championship lasted a shade over eight minutes. Yeah. There's only so much drama you can fit into a match in eight minutes. Yeah. Which is a shame 
Especially when your whole pay-per-view is built around exactly the Ultimate X. But once we'd had the qualifiers for this match, it felt like this was an afterthought. I think I I wonder if the um the injury to Sanjay Dutt sort of screwed it up a bit because he was legitimately injured. Yeah, I think he dislocated his shoulder or he, he pulled him um like tore one of his ligaments in his arm or something. Yeah. Um basically he went for a shooting a stand a running shooting star press. But whoever he did it on, I can't remember. I think it was Andrews. It was either Andrews uh, yeah, was. or King, I can't remember off the top of my head, but he went for the shoot, running shooting star press and he was too close to the ropes. So I don't yeah. know whether he was trying to stop his head hitting the ropes or whether... It was, sort of his, it was his arm and it was sort of bent. Yeah, and he's so landed went, on his arm and obviously he yeah. had to roll out, get attention. And obviously if he dislocated his shoulder, then obviously that might be why. But it, there was still some good spots in this match. Mm-hmm. There was a great um, spear... Again, sort of reminiscent yeah. of WrestleMania th- uh, 17, where um, Andrew was hanging on to the ropes and King came with a midair spear. That was really nice. Sanjay Dutt took someone off the ropes with a drop kick. And that by ropes, cool. whenever I say ropes, I mean cables at the top. <laughs> took someone off with um, a drop kick, which was really, really good. My favourite spot was the neck breaker. Now, at this point, oh, yeah, King yeah. and Andrews are both sort of hanging upside down, trying to get the belt. They stop trying to get the belt and instead focus on each other, and King hits a neck breaker on Andrews from the top, which looked <laughs> brilliant. Yeah. They both, both, both did each other, though, they? They both, and that was it then. They were no longer in the match, and it was between Zima Ion and Sanjay Dutt, who'd come back in, recovered from his injury. So they're both now standing on top of the cables, in the middle. Now, if you're on top of the cables, you're thinking, hmm, right, okay, I need to produce something big here to win the championship. You're thinking big spot. What you aren't thinking, Garth, is hairspray. <laughs> no. Basically, Zima Ion sprays hairspray at Sanjay Dutt. And I say at Sanjay Dutt because what I assume is supposed to happen is that it's supposed to go in the vicinity of Dutt's face. <laughs> None of it. None of it goes anywhere near Sanjay Dutt's face. None of it. But Sanjay Dutt still reacts as though it's Rick Martel's arrogance. You know, and he's been blind and he's got Jake the Snake's his white contacts in. But he just kind of flops to the floor and Zima Ion wins it in possibly the most anticlimactic fashion it, in it the world. It was a terrible end, yeah. Um, and then he has an interview with uh, Chrissy Hem, who interviews him in front of the audience, which is a terrible idea because there are knobheads in the audience who just keep shouting, lucky charms. Yeah. And that doesn't make sense. Are you trying to say that he's young? In which case, how can you insult someone for being young? Pathetic. I mean, yes, he has terrible hair. Yes, he has a terrible gimmick. Yes, he has a terrible back tattoo. But I still don't see how any of that is relevant to an American breakfast cereal. He's not oh. a leprechaun. So I'm I'm very very confused by that chance, but even Unless so, this, was, this must have been around the time that the whole John Cena fruity pebbles thing with the Rock. Ah, uh, right, okay, that still doesn't make sense as to why they were shouting, no. you know, um, Lucky Charms to pull Zima Eye on. But even no so, idea. I thought his promo was all right at the end. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, again, it was all right, but it was. I'd hoped for better. I'd hoped for yeah. more. 
And after after watching it, I, I sort of remember like from the time when I watched it originally, I, I remember thinking, "Oh, it was a big letdown." I'm loath to say it was a big letdown because I don't know what my expectations were. Um. I did think it would be this fantastic match, but then obviously when you saw the competitors mm-hmm. and you're thinking, I don't know any of it. Bar Sanjay Dutt, and obviously I know Kenny King now from Ring of Honor, but I don't know anything about these yeah. characters. You know, Definitely sort of a weak, like a weak It was a weak roster. X division. It really, yeah. really was. When you consider we talked earlier about who has been in the X division. That had, I think they'd had... Um... Chris Sabin, he was due to be in it. I think he got injured. Someone, um, I remember Chris Sabin being mentioned. Alex Shelley maybe maybe was out injured as well. Yeah. I'm just having a look now at who was in Destin, the Destination X 2011. Now, obviously, I know that Austin Aries was. Because mm. Austin Aries won it. Yeah. But... I'm surprised if Sean, Sanji was Loki, in it as well. Yeah. Zima Ion. Shark boy. <laughs> Um, Alex Shelley. Yeah. So you have got more there. I wouldn't say it's amazing, but you know you've got definitely got more there. I didn't know Brian Kendrick was in TNA. Oh yeah, yeah, for quite a while, yeah. Bloody hell! Abyss was the X Division champion. Um, Brian Kendrick was the. I think he was doing the, the sort of. What was it like a like a guru type thing <laughs> where he would okay. sit, he would sit cross legged in the middle of the ring and sort of rock and recite sort of poetry and things like that. Oh man, I love Brian Kendrick. <laughs> um, anyway, this brought us to the main event which was preluded once more by a fantastic, fantastic uh, video package um, mm. which was preluded by a fantastic Austin Aries promo where <laughs> you mentioned this earlier about how they sold Austin Aries as this, you know, as a potential heavyweight competitor because they showed him in matches with the likes of Samoa Joe, with the likes of Abyss, with the likes of, you know, these heavyweights, you know, delivering brain busters to them. So it really did build him as this legitimate competitor to Bobby Roode. Now, the story of this match was that Bobby Roode had nothing but disdain for the X division. Basically, Mm -hmm. he thought it was a lower division. He thought it was... It wasn't worth his time. So the entire way through this match, he said, kept saying to Austin Aries, you are not in my league. Yeah. You are not worthy to be in this ring with me. Obviously, Rude had just surpassed the um, the record for TNA heavyweight, um, the longest title reign in TNA yeah. history. I believe it was 250-something days. I think it was 256, <laughs> uh, which is you know, fairly impressive. Um but the match itself was fantastic. Yeah. Um, and Rude came down just looking like an like a megastar. He did. He did. And this Bobby Rude in this match, in this incarnation, is the Bobby Rude I want on SmackDown Live. Yeah. Because you'd got the arrogance, you got the heelish tendencies, you got just this character that was wonderful. And at the moment on SmackDown, we have bland smile wearing yeah. a bathrobe. And, you know, it's it's getting boring. And when you look at, and I've said to you, I can't remember if we said it on air or not now, 
<laughs> but Austin Aries is, in my opinion, certainly, you know, one of the biggest missed opportunities for WWE because here, oh, yeah. he is a star. Definitely, yeah. Um, we had our big spot over the ropes uh, <laughs> twice, in fact. Austin Aries, I would argue, has one of the most beautiful suicide dives I've ever seen. I don't know why. Oh, yeah. It. I don't know whether it's just because he does it so quickly or because it's just so picture perfect. It is that, fantastic. That first one he misses. The first one he misses and crashes into the guardrail. Um, the second one later on in the match, he does hit. But yeah. after that first one where he does hit the guardrail, Bobby Roode just takes advantage. And oh, for yeah. the vast majority of this match then, Bobby Roode takes control and Aries gets in offence where like he can. He's doing like slaps all over and sort of reversing any moves that Aries tries to do and slapping him on the back of the head and things like that. Exactly, just basically building this, I am better than you, you know, jeering at him the entire time. He does um, like a really sort of hard throw into the turnbuckle. Yes, he does. On point, where he's he really like the Bret Hart sort of spot. He does. And... Then there was this lovely interchange in the middle of the match where they reverse each other's submission holes. Yeah. So you've got um, Aries going for the last chancery and you've got Bobby Roode going for like a crossface. Mm-hmm. And consistently then, three or four times, you've got these reversals. And like um, Aries sort of rolls him back and goes for the pin and things like that. Yeah, it's it's a lovely, lovely series. Um, Bobby Roode does attempt to go for the payoff, which is his finisher. See, I'm learning. Um, but Aries managed to counter it into an unsuccessful roll-up. Towards like the end of the middle, towards the end of the match, This the pace picks up spectacularly. Yeah. Um, when, um, when he hits that discus um, elbow. Yeah, that terribly named discus five arm in 205 yeah. Live, but that discus forearm was fantastic. <laughs> Bobby Roode has got an absolutely spectacular spine buster. Yeah, and as Aries runs at him, he hits him with this spine buster. Again, a two count. You never think that this match is going to be over with a spine buster. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the way these two have gotten, the chemistry these two have got in the ring, it does make you go, ooh, close. You've got the um, sort of the corner superplex where Aries stops it. Yes. And then, he, and then he goes for the sort of 450. Yeah, but he misses it. Yeah. Which is a shame because I'd, I love I love a good 450. <laughs> um. And again, it goes back and forth. They start building on the fact that Rude has been cheating to keep his title, you know, title shots to the head and, you know, yeah. raking the eyes. Speaking of raking the eyes, <laughs> that is illegal, isn't it? That's not a legal yeah. move. You can be DQ'd for that. Mm-hmm. Right. So, Austin Aries has <laughs> Bobby Rude in the last chancery. The referee is staring into the face of Bobby Rude. Bobby Roode just scratches, just scratches the eyes of Austin Aries <laughs> right in front of the ref, who just disregards it entirely. Yeah, totally, yeah. Um, <laughs> there's some very, very strange refereeing in this match, and there's another example later on. Um, so Aries is um, down at this point, or sort of selling the eyes. Rude nonchalantly gets out of the ring, picks up the belt, and the ref's like, what are you doing? Put that back. Yeah, give us that. Turns round to place it carefully in the corner of the ring. No idea why. <laughs> Just throw it out the ring. Don't spend time. While he's doing that, Rude delivers a very unconvincing um, low blow. Yeah. Um, goes for the cover. One, two, kicks out. Rude, apoplectic with rage, pushes the referee. 
Exactly. Now, Garth, that's a DQ, isn't it? (laughs) That's not me going, are the rules different in TNA? Okay, (laughs) that is a disqualification. This wasn't a no DQ match. This was a regular singles match. So at this point, this is the second time Bobby Roode should, by the letter of the law, have been disqualified. (laughs) Instead of disqualifying him, the referee starts on Bobby Roode. So he then pushes Bobby Roode into the corner where he's then hit by a beautiful dropkick from Austin Aries. Yeah, I love that. Um, who goes for a brain buster, but it's reversed by Bobby Roode. Eventually, after a bit more wrestling, Aries does manage to get him up for the brain buster, lands it, new champion. And yeah. <laughs> I mentioned earlier about Mike Tanay's, um sort of expression an emotion in his voice. This was, oh, oh, he's done it. <laughs> and just, it was it was in that horrible in-between part where you're trying not to wake your mum up by shouting, but yeah. you're really, really excited. So yeah. it's it was in that horrible middle ground. But it was a massive, massive thing. The pop was enormous. Yeah, um, Aries yeah. sold it beautifully. Rude disappears. Don't know where Bobby Rude goes. Um, <laughs> and then Confetti that, comes it- down. There's a bit where um, he hits the the brain buster, but Root kicks out. The pop for that was massive as well. Yeah, I mean, I think the crowd thought that that was it. Bobby Root, and then is he gets up, punts him in the head. <laughs> he does punt him in the head. I forgot about the punt. Um, but I this match was fantastic. Yeah, you know the payoff at the end was fantastic. Not the Bobby Root move, as in, as in the actual payoff, <laughs> um, was fantastic. I think it was the right result. You know, because I think I mean at the time, I remember watching it and think, uh, thinking there's no way Aries is going to win this belt, and then he did, and it was it was a massive surprise. Yeah, I don't know how long he held it. I don't think he held it for long, but it was it was a great match, mm. and overall this pay per view, I think it was in danger of getting a little bit boring after the yeah. Zima Ion Flip Casanova match. But those last matches, Samoa Joe Kurt Angle, AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels, and Austin Aries, Bobby Roode, really did rescue this pay-per-view. Yeah, definitely. And for that reason, this pay-per-view, for me, gets a solid three and a half. Yeah. I, I would give it four, but because... And, you know, the more we've talked about it, the more we've talked about almost the disappointment of the Ultimate X tournament. I think I can only give it three and a half because the entire pay per view was built around that, yeah, that concept, and that concept was the thing that let it down. So, and sort of going off the previous matches as well. Yeah, exactly. Like, that been really good all the time. So, and then you know you looked at the four people in the Ultimate X Tournament final, and you just think, who the yeah. bloody hell are these guys apart from Sanjay yeah. Dutt, um, who obviously suffered an injury? But overall, my first foray into TNA. Not a bad one at all. I wouldn't mind yeah. reviewing more TNA pay-per-views in the future. Yeah. So there you we'll have, go. You've we'll have a look. Yes, absolutely. Not not any recent ones, please. Um <laughs> because the recent ones are diabolical and I don't want to watch any more Alberto Albatron than I have to. So Oh god, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um but this was your choice, wasn't it, Garth? Yep. So I believe the next choice lies with me. And mm-hmm. yep. I have an interesting one. It is WrestleMania season right now. 
Okay, we're building up to Mania 34, so what better time to review a WrestleMania than right now? So our next retro pay-per-view review will be for WrestleMania 10. Brilliant. One One of of my favourites. Exactly. A fantastic pay-per-view. Two, two five-star matches. WWE, up until the Andrade Cien Almas and Gargano match, had only ever received five five five-star ratings. This match had two. This pay per view had two of them. Yeah. So you know we've also got Lex Luger. So you know we can <laughs> rag on him for a bit as well, which can't is always have, fun. Kind of everything. Uh, exactly. <laughs> we've got four. You know, two five star matches and a Lex Luger match. So yeah. Um, but yeah, so I thought we'd review that one next. Um, yeah. But yes, guys, that is the end of our retro pay per view review of TNA. Destination X 2012. We hope you've enjoyed it. Please leave us comments, review, um, sorry, comments, questions. Talk to us. What kind of pay-per-views would you like us to review? You can find me on Twitter at, at RealRobGoodwin. Where can they find you, Garth? I'm at Drummer Jackson. Okay, fantastic. Thank you so much for listening, guys, and we'll talk to you guys again soon. Yeah, take care, guys.